never believed it. I, I thought you were a myth. Well, I'm not. But I will tell you something that is. The belief that human beings are kind. No, Caesar. There are some. Oh, a handful, perhaps, but not most of them. Oh, they won't learn to be kind until we force them to. We can't do that until we are free. How do you propose to gain this freedom? By the only means left to us. Revolution. But it's doomed to failure. Perhaps. This time. And the next. Maybe. But you'll keep trying. You, above everyone else, should understand. We cannot be free until we have power. How else can we achieve it? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. I'm definitely biting that from him. Folks, you know what's up. It's Afro Nerd Radio Time. It's the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, yours truly, and of course, the uncanny Daryl B. The call in number remains the same 646 915 9620. Again, 646 915 9620. This is where you get our own special brand of latte. <laughs> you know what we're going to talk about. Back at it again. You know, we couldn't help ourselves but to discuss it a bit, a bit at the top of the Grindhouse podcast. But we have to admit that um, that this particular story, the Starbucks controversy, the Starbucks and Philadelphia controversy, appears to have legs. So we're going to unpack, we're going to analyze. Everyone is entitled to their opinions. Feel free to buzz on in. Again, 646-915-9620. Call in with your questions, your statements, your opinions. It's all right. Not a big deal. Let's get into the groove first. You know how this game goes. We always give you the best of Herb Alt Groove because they're not playing it anywhere else. 
you know, giving certain individuals Pulitzer Prizes. <laughs> and I like Kendrick Lamar. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. Congratulations to him as well. We'll unpack on that. Anyway, let's give, speaking of Philly, this, this is really like a, there's a lot of connective tissue, folks. That's one thing I will say that how we analyze pop culture, uh, the crew, how we go, how we get into this, everything is connected. When I heard that this, that this Starbucks was located in a very tony and ritzy and high-priced part of Philly, Rittenhouse Square, Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse. What the hell? Why is Rittenhouse in my etched in my brain? Rittenhouse is Rittenhouse is etched in my brain because it's the clandestine organization, the villains in my favorite, one of my favorite shows, Timeless, which is back at it for the second season. So it can't be coincidental that this happened in Rittenhouse, PA, and that Timeless deals with, as I think, kind of a Make America Great Again theme. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this. I want the uncanny to definitely unpack because maybe he will see what I see. Anyway, this is Jean Grey, Philly's finest. You see how everything is interconnected? Jean Grey, Quell Chris, gold, purple, orange. Oh, about two minutes. Let's groove. Children 
watching Buckwheat late night. Listen to Depeche Mode, Big Audio, or Dynamite. Identity crisis, coming later vices are coming even later. Prices for a life with. Without life bills for the right price, kill. Cause you can be the things they say to be and get killed. With difficulty comes learning. With typically those less exposed to those burdens. Can flourish without knowing themselves, without growing themselves, without the moments of doubt, moments of bells all ringing, singing low self esteem. Teen walk a hundred feet tall, walk mean, talk obscene, crawl a far across scene. Never crossing the green, cause I ain't got to be nothing for you but me. From a three beat down two feet, can't fathom how it's so complete. Take your time like duck coffee. Spaceship, they ain't never out of reach. I'm up high and down, down the deep. You ain't about to have me losing no sleep, cause I'm grinding. You ain't about to see me snoozing no sleep, same time, man. Folks, I don't know if you can handle that. Once again, Jean Grey, Quell Chris, Gold, Purple, and Orange people, I would definitely advise our listenership to check out the pretty impressive and quirky as I don't know. Quirky AF, as they say, courtesy of YouTube, the video. It, it, it has kind of a Boots Riley, Riley, sorry to bother you vibe going on. So uh, once again, shout out to Jean Grey, Philly's finest. Anyway, people, let's get into this. Captain... You need it right in the middle of Riddle. <laughs> I hate to do this to you. Right in the middle of Rittenhouse, people. Rittenhouse Square. That's where we're gonna beam the captain down. Let's get to it. Get to it, Cap. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. I got my job and book phaser. That's what you got to do with these types. Give them jobs and give them books. They vaporize. Uh, here you go. Let's let's bring in. Let's start. Uh, let's get it. Let's get it in. We can't do the show without this gentleman. I'm I'm very curious to see what, what he says about some of this stuff. Uh, I know uh, our his time with us is limited, but um, hopefully we'll be able to discuss this and maybe talk about Spielberg and the Black Hawks film. Um, we, there's also a a a Mary Sue piece that to me gave a dead on. Avengers fan casting paradigm, like you know, the, but for the '90s, like '90s, '80s, and '90s actors, if you were to if you were to make an Avengers film, what would what would it look like? And it was pretty, pretty impressive. I almost want to see this film. Anyway, he has the uncanny memory. That's why he's called the uncanny. He is the indefatigable, uncanny Daryl B. For folks who don't realize it, this Starbucks thing has happened every day. It's just this was caught on camera. Speaking as right. one who knows. 
Cap, um, yeah, as I said, let's let's try to get this in because I think this is a this this has legs. I mean, it really seems to be resonating with folks. I didn't expect this thing to last more than twenty four to forty eight hours. Now we're going midweek. Um, it seems to be, as I said, resonating with people. Uh, there's boycotts being discussed. I know that that um, that Starbucks has this. I think sometime in May they're going to have this. They're going to implement some kind of thing where uh, they're going to discuss racism. So, you know, let me let, May 29th. Let me, uh, May 29th. Yeah, thank you. L- let me let me get this clip first because we want to give our audience full information. We don't want to be sloppy with it. I have a couple of clips actually, so let me play at least one of them. Um. Okay, let's see. Here we go. This is W. Kamau Bell. And uh, he has a show on CNN, and he's having a discussion about this incident with um, Don Lemon. So let's let's get into it. Give it about two minutes, and then we'll we'll dig in. Hold on. The arrest of two black men at a Starbucks is sadly not at all surprising to a lot of African Americans. So many of us have these stories, just like this one, black and brown Americans. I want to talk about this with Kamal Bell, host of CNN's United Shades of America. Kamal, how you doing? Hello, sir. How you doing? Yeah. You know, I got Emmys, too, now. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about <laughs> I'm that. I'm talking about our promo. But let's, seriously, let's get out of the business here. You heard the interview with the mayor and the commissioner. This Starbucks incident is very similar to your own experience, 2015. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, uh, yeah, I think we have to stop pretending this is about one Starbucks or one coffee shop. These things happen in coffee shops and businesses every day where black people get kicked out or get asked to leave or don't get to do the things white people are allowed to do. In 2015, on my birthday, actually, I was uh, told to leave the Elmwood Cafe in Berkeley, California, because they thought I was harassing my wife and my 13-week-old baby. So, uh, wow. and, and so, yeah, exactly. Which you know, because I was ta- and I had talked to my wife for about a minute. I had met her, her and her friends at this coffee shop, and they told me to leave because somebody had complained about me being there. And the thing that I realized, and I think about this with these two black men at the Starbucks is that I was afraid they would call the cops. I actually thought, like, oh, no one what called the cops, call the cops on you, right? No one called the cops, and, and no one mistakenly thought that you had a gun. But at, at the t- did you worry about those things? I did worry about those things because we were, in 2015, we were in the middle of Ferguson being in all the headlines, and so I know that that was a possibility. But here's the thing that's so sickening about it, Don. The reason why I don't think the cops were called is because my wife was right there, who's white, and she was able to go, that's my husband. This is, we're together. I'm his wife. And I think... That probably her white skin actually probably took some of the some of the heat out of the situation, which is sad but true. After that happened, Kamal, you, your wife, the owner of the cafe, along with activists, had a community forum at, uh, on racism at a school in Berkeley. How'd that go? Well, uh, I just found out that he blocked me on Facebook. The Elmwood Cafe has blocked me on Facebook because I have complained that over the more than three years since it happened, they said they were going to do a bunch of things, a bunch of community initiatives. They were going to teach people about implicit bias in the neighborhood, in the city. They've done none of it. And they had a website up until today that I said, it's just a white square with yellow around it. They had done nothing about it. And now their solution is to block me on Facebook. And that's what I think we have to talk about with Starbucks. Starbucks is a much bigger company than this, the Elmwood Cafe. But if we don't keep the pressure on, they're just going to wait for the heat to die down, and they'll go back to business as usual, and we can't afford that. And let's again, this is not just about coffee shops and these black men. The only reason we know about this is because there was a white woman there who tweeted that out. 
This is about how black people are treated in this country. This issue is linked to the black teenage boy who was shot at when he was asking for directions. These are all the same thing, Don. Well, it's interesting because it happened in Philadelphia, right? A city that has a, a, a big uh, minority population, a big black population. I used to live in Philadelphia, and, and people are surprised when I would tell them when I lived there that these racist incidents happen. You think, it, you know, maybe it just happens in the South. And you live in Berkeley, though. I mean, that's a liberal, you don't get more liberal, a liberal bastion. It happens everywhere. Oh, oh please, I hope we get more liberal in Berkeley. Please, Lord, please, black <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> don't believe the alt-right hype. Berkeley is not as liberal as they want you to believe right. it is. And the thing I want to say about that is that, because I just did hear the, the police commissioner talking in the previous segment, they're acting like that this situation was successful because the black men didn't get mad and the cops didn't get mad. Those black men were in prison or in, were held in custody for almost nine hours. They got out at like 1.30 in the morning. How is that a successful situation? If they had told them to, if they had led them out of the Starbucks and left them to go on their way with their friend, maybe, maybe that's successful. But they actually took them into custody mm -hmm. for nine hours. This is this that can't be success. That these and they black have records now. Right now. And I was talking to the yeah. to the mayor and the commissioner after. Uh, the segment just aired in the commercial break, and they said, well, now they have to get their records expunged. That's a long process. It's very expensive. So they're in the system now, even though, because um, they were processed, even though they let them go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't wipe out the memory of being in jail for nine hours. You can't wipe out the memory of having to get your record expunged. You can't also wipe out the memory of that video going everywhere that, that, that they will be forever known as those two black men in that video. So what video. do we do, Kamal? And All right. You get the gist. Let's get in it. Let's get it in. Uh, let's go to let's go to Daryl B because of time constraints. Um, Daryl, what are your impressions here? You said that this is par for the course, but what, what's going Simple. on? G give us your give us your analysis of this and what are you, your thoughts. Look, the, you guys have seen me. Every everybody who follows the show has seen my Instagram or seen my my Twitter. You guys see how I dress. I'm I'm not a, I'm not white collar in the least, so I can tell you. Hell, I had an incident a month ago in a comic book shop up in Westchester. I could, I could tell, oh, well, not a comic book shop, but a bookstore up in Westchester. Walked in, all right, I have my hoodie on. I pulled my hoodie off, put my, gla my glasses on top of my fro. I still had the fro there. I didn't get cut. I walk in, and literally, oh, I don't think this shop is for you. Turn around. It's the person behind the, the desk like, how do you know this shop ain't for me? You sell books here? Yeah, but, oh, so you don't think I could read? And she, she, the woman shut up right away. And I'm like, okay, then it's, it's the shop for me. I go walking over, and then, and then I pick out a book. I'm walking back to the counter. There she is talking to a cop. I went, I put my book down like this. The cop was like, how are you doing today, sir? I'm like, fine. I'm just buying this book right here. <laughs> cop looks at me and goes like, oh. And, and I, I put my, my card down, and I paid for my book, walked right out. Now, if I was more belligerent, I may be in jail. If I was more belligerent, I may not be here right now. So, hey, I know this thing all too well. See, here, here's the thing. You could talk about the way they dressed. You could talk about, oh, oh, we were getting scared and all of that. But I've seen bums sit down at Starbucks and not get moved because of the free Wi-Fi. Right? I've seen 
like girls chatting away loud as hell using inappropriate language in a Starbucks, not be censored. From the video, these two guys are just sitting there. They're not harming nobody. It's something I said on Twitter, and I know Cap related on, on, on Sunday. A $10 sign. Seats are for patrons only. To sit down, you must buy something. That's all they had to put up. If they put that up, then the Starbucks is in the clear. See, your racism is fine if you got the legal thing up. Problem is, they did not have that sign. That sign was nowhere present. So, and, there, and from the sounds of it, from other people that attended, including the woman that took the video, when, and they're frequent patrons, and they see people in there all the time that isn't buying Jack. Hey, like, like I said, for the lack of a $10 sign, Starbucks is now losing millions of dollars in, in um, future purchases and probably fees that they're going to have to pay these guys for unjust imprisonment. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not even counting the police here. I'm just dealing with Starbucks. But if folks think this is just a Starbucks thing, it's not just a Starbucks thing. If folks is just thinking this is, this is a coffee shop thing, it's not just a coffee shop thing. This type of thing happens in stores across the country. Sure, some of it is on, you know, us in a way where we, if you, you dress too hood and going into certain establishments and stuff like that. Sure, some of it is on us. Because we don't, we don't give off that, oh, he's a safe Negro type. But those two guys weren't doing anything. They were sitting down there to themselves. It'd be one thing if they were actually videotaped with them harassing customers and stuff like that. Not doing, they were in a corner waiting on their friend. That's where guys trying to stick up for Starbucks and stuff, they fail to realize. You harass these two and you haven't harassed anybody else. That's where you're caught in the crossfire. Back to you, Afrinerd. Cap, any dogs in this race, your impressions? Well, here's the thing. Since the advent of black people in this country, we've had, if we, you know, after slavery, during slavery, what you have to do, you always had to disarm white people because they never were comfortable with you. You have to go out of your way to make white people feel comfortable. That's what you had to do. Now you get to about 1982, right? And this, this is something different, but it relates to it. You have the war on drugs. This is something I mentioned before. You had the war on drugs in this country, which really, if you were just after drugs, you were supposed to put the white person in prison. Because the way it works, according to the demographics, <clears throat> People buy drugs from themselves. Someone that looks like themselves, and also, and also, and also across the demographics. That means whether you're Asian, whether you're white, whether you're black, or something else. It's the same amount of people within that group that use the drugs. It's ten percent. It's one out of every ten. That's 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 what they say. So. If you were just after drugs, there's more white people in this country, 62%. You put in the Latin, that's white, that's 72%. If 
That's who should have been going to jail. But here's what's more important, that we black people and brown people went to jail. It's the imagery. It's the imagery of seeing that since then all the way to now. So you, who always, as a black person in this country, had to walk around and make white people feel comfortable, disarm white people, all right? Go out of your way to make them feel comfortable. I'm not talking about what you do to make yourself feel comfortable. That's a different thing altogether. But as far as they're concerned, you went down three steps lower now because of that imagery. Hence, fast forward now, we're in 2017, we're 2018, we're in 2018. <clears throat> you have the imagery as far as the black person coming in as something that's not desirable. Even when you're dressed nice, it acts as a real good buffer. It does. It definitely does work. All right? It, it definitely does work. Whether you're doing that for yourself or whether you're doing that for somebody else. Either way, it does work as a real good buffer. But even with that, you're still not at the level that you should be in this country due to the imagery, the image that has been set forth for black people doing that whole war of drugs. And you could throw the rap stuff in there, the imagery and everything else from that. Now, now that we understand that, how we get here, now let's look at the CEO of the company. Why is it now? And I know a few people that worked for Starbucks and still work at Starbucks. I know a few people, younger people now, but some older people that have uh, moved on to other stuff. But why they, they've, these people that have worked for, they said they never had any racial training whatsoever before. Why is it now he's doing racial training? Why is it now? Why is he being proactive now for something like this? How come this wasn't something incorporated that you have to understand the multicultural country? Why wasn't it incorporated? Because it never really affected them. Here's the thing what we notice about racism, whether we go back to KKK, Nazi movement, or anything else, skinheads, or any type of racial situation. A lot of people know racist people or people who constantly do incidents that could be perceived as being racist. You know what they do? A lot of people in this country, not all people, not all people, they say, oh, he's just an a-hole. He's just this. But once the light is shown on that situation, everyone distanced themselves. It's kind of like the man that knows his friend who is married, who's cheating on his wife, right? You don't have a problem with him. You know when you're going to have a problem with him? When that situation with his wife comes to light and your wife finds out about it because you become guilty through association. Now you have to distance yourself. She starts to question you. Well, if you knew about it, who knows who you were seeing? You got to live with your wife. So now you got to clean up. It's analogous. It's the same type of when racism is covert here in this country. The powers that be do not care. When it becomes overt and the light is shining, all of a sudden everyone starts scrambling. There's never no proactivity to try to prevent this in this country with the powers that be. Since they're supposed to be so liberal and everything else, there's never. It's once the light gets shown because you get guilty through association. No one likes that. Even if we go back all the way back into the past, when we were dealing with KKK, if the KKK, which, we, which of course is still around, but when some of these KKK people 
Ku Klux Klan were actually policymakers. If you were such a badass, why you had your hood on? Well, people would say, one, that's part of intimidation. But it's also to operate covertly. Because what happens when the light is shown on you? Power is more powerful than you will come in and say you can't do it like that, even though they may agree with you. You see, that's how we act in this country when it comes to racist situation or, or perceived as racist situation. The light cannot be put on it. You know what I'm saying? Then we start to scramble. You see? Just food for thought. So the CEO here, he's trying to be, you know, acting away. Let me see. Here's the next chess move. I got caught. Let me go ahead and do this as a damage control. Let me go ahead and shut it down for one day, May 29th, and give people one day training. You need about a week's training because you got to detox a lot of people and understand how to operate in the situation. It's a multicultural society, man. That's just the reality. And some people are going to be considered desirables in it. We all know what the pecking order is in this place. You understand? And, there's no, and I'm not here to tell you right or wrong with that. I'm not here to tell you right or wrong. But when they get caught, they're going to have to deal with it. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Yeah. Um, I like what you said, Cap. I like what Daryl says. I appreciate his opinion as well. And, and also what he um, what he described as some, something that happened to him personally. Uh, listen, all of us have stories. You know, I, I've had I, fortunately enough, I will confess, I haven't had too many like confrontational issues where I felt like I didn't necessarily necessarily belong. Um, it might be a question of, well, one of those can I help you deals. Like if you go into a store, and half the time I really don't want to be helped unless I motion over for a salesperson. I'd rather just be left alone with my own thoughts. And you know, I already have an idea as to what I really want anyway half the time. Or I'll let you know, but I don't, I don't want anyone hovering o- over me. But I usually give off a certain demeanor about what I will tolerate and that I'm pretty much left alone. Um, you know, I, I think what, what I really think about this particular case is a, no, another, a number of things. I, I'm, I'm just, as I said at the top of the show, I found it interesting that I kept on hearing Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse, and, you know, <laughs> Uh, I'm curious about Daryl's thoughts. I don't know if he's still looking at Timeless, but Timeless has this Rittenhouse connection, and Rittenhouse was a real historical figure. Uh, I guess one of the founders of Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, or has some early historical connection to Philadelphia. So Rittenhouse is a real, he was a real clockmaker. The character Rittenhouse, I believe, was even portrayed by a Star Trek actor when they went back in time. So uh, he was a watchmaker, but the way they have him portrayed in Timeless, they have him as they have him and the Rittenhouse family as like these these these, these this, this clandestine group that basically use a time machine to make the changes that they see fit. And the latest episode had them screwing screwing around with a young John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and it was it was inferenced in the in this last episode, that if they had gotten rid of Kennedy, then that would collapse the civil rights movement. There would be a lot of things that would happen after... If he were, if he were killed like way before his, his untimely death in 1963, I should put it that way, because they took him out in 1934 when he was still like a high school kid. So Rittenhouse 
has a certain connotation in this mythology, and Rittenhouse has a certain connotation in this controversial situation, because Rittenhouse Square is one of the most expensive places in the country. Like the average rent in Rittenhouse, PA, is like ten grand a month. So these two gentlemen, they were in a very Tony high price high price situation, and and even if it wasn't a, a Starbucks franchise in, in in PA, many of these fran- many of these franchises, you know, that if there if there's if there's going to be a Star Trek, Star Trek, <laughs> a Starbucks erected somewhere, it really is the the heralding of gentrification. When Harlem was able to get was able to be perceived in a certain way, or even downtown Brooklyn, Daryl knows this, and even the captain. The first thing they mention is Starbucks is coming, or a Ben and Jerry's. Or maybe some kind of bath and body shop kind of thing. Or Whole Foods. Or Whole Foods. So those are the harbingers of when when your neighborhood is going to change. Williamsburg and so forth. Matter of fact, I I, I might have mentioned this on air. And uh, I mentioned this years ago to a, uh, a business owner, a white female business owner. And she chuckled because we had this kind of, we had this kind of relationship. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a stiff on air as I am in, in, in off air. So right at the point that, that Williamsburg was going through its gentrified changes, I was reading articles about, like, how swanky, how swanky and bougie um, Williamsburg was going to be, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, back in the day, was like adjacent to Bed Stuy, adjacent to Mar- Marcy Projects. It was uh, a, a place, and still is to a certain degree, a place where the Hasidim, Jewish Hasidic folk, and, and and Black Caribbean folk, where there's a there's an exchange, sometimes friendly, sometimes not so friendly. So there's there's kind of a historical thing. Even St. Albans has this exchange as well with the Hasidim. But you're dealing with more middle class black folk in St. Albans, so it's not as severe. But there, you know, there's there's cultural exchanges. What am I talking about? So, at the, I was there with I was my it was uh, Iron Man, Captain Kirk's predecessor, myself, and someone that I, I will that we call colloquially N-word Mitch. But you can you can reference that. We call him N-word Mitch as an in-house thing. So we. The three of us go into this, into this, um, this clothing store, this vintage clothing store. And the first reaction that when we walk in, because one thing we did notice is that when we walked around, because this is at the very beginning of the Williamsburg changeup, is that it was very white. I mean, phenotypically white. Well, these people were whiter in complexion than even the folks further out east that are a little bit more tanned. I mean, I'm getting that technical. So we walk in, and automatically the feelers go up, and these ladies have like this whole nervous, this whole nervous vibe. Three black men are walking in, and they have this, they just have this nervous thing. So 
as immediately I go into they're like, well, what can I help you with? I said, well, look, we I happen to see I, I spoke the way I speak. I said, well, hey, you know, we happen to see this article in Time Out New York, and it talked about your establishment, and I was just curious about it, and I really wanted to peruse your establishment because I I dig vintage clothing. All of a sudden, when I said it that way, the young the ladies, the the proprietors, kind of just took a breath and said, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, no problem, you know, look around, have a have a good time. Let us know what you want, and that was the end of it. But I, I had to go into this whole contortion, which I don't really mind. And even to this day, when, when I joke around with Iron Man, Iron Man said to me, damn, man, your skin got lighter. <laughs> your, your hair got straighter. <laughs> Everything changed. You went through some kind of – you were like an X-Man. So he, he, and I said this to the business owner that I also – she started laughing. Cause I, I guess I don't I don't have so what I, what is the afternoon talking about? I don't have this issue with making not not necessarily making white people comfortable, but I want people to I want it to be I want it to be clear I am not a nod. Black or white, and I do this actually I'm very consistent because I go to black business establishments who could easily tell you to leave if you are not buying anything. See, this stuff gets very complicated, and we're dealing with a millennial set. I hate to go into the millennial thing, but you're dealing with some, you're dealing with some millennials. Not that this doesn't happen across the ages, but the millennials are giving off a, a far more amb- ambiguous vibe than ever. They're giving off somewhat of an ambiguous vibe. For, for me personally, because I don't want to go through any grief, I make, I make sure – that I take off my glasses metaphorically and say, hey, Clark Kent is Superman. Hey, Afro, <laughs> this black man is an Afro nerd. That's me. Now, I know Daryl, I don't know if he does this because he said he had some issues with this particular woman. He doesn't necessarily want to go through the contortions, but I know he is capable of, of going through a slight contortion to ease the situation if you think. If you think that your appearance may be at issue, if you think. Now, hey, that goes into political correctness. That goes into respectability politics. I know there's there's a whole debate about that. I just know, as I said, I define respectability politics a bit differently than other folks. I'm really trying to differentiate myself from folks that are, that are ambiguous and, and also are troublesome. I got one other thing I got to say, courtesy of the Oracle. Maybe this might make some of our listeners think a little bit differently. Um, the Oracle, the tangential producer of this program, my dad, recently retired, literally closed his, his business, um, master hairstylist, master barber. He told me recently, because we were talking about this, he said, let me tell you something. One time I was, uh, he was, he was with a customer, I think it was either a woman or maybe a young child, well, a young man, I should say. And uh, he, you know, of course he knew the customer, but then some, a new guy comes in who is, he, who he was unfamiliar with. 
Adebisi from what was the name of that prison show, Captain? I'm, why can't I think of uh, Oz? Oz, thank you. There you go. Okay, he looked a little rough around the edges, and my father he did he went to high cogitation mode. I am my father's son. He said, "I'm going to how am I going to how am I going to get get out of this? Because I don't want to be with this nog because he doesn't look right. He looked a little crazy. Maybe DMX after a binge type of crazy. So he said, "Hey, you know what? Sorry, man, but I got to pick up my wife." I didn't. I, I didn't think about this, but it just caught. It just. Uh, it just came to my my mind. So I'm going to have to jet out and pick up my pick up my wife. I can't really do your hair. So he jetted, as they say on the street. But that really wasn't the case. He did not look right. Now, these guys, uh, uh, you know, they had some credentials. That's the irony. One of the young men, young men was a finance graduate, and there's a picture of him uh, dressed to the nines. Now, not everybody's going to be dressed, you know, dressed to impress. You know, that, that's just not realistic. If you're going to go to Starbucks to, for some kind of business meeting, why can't, why can't you be what you really are? Why, why is it pulling teeth to maybe buy something at an establishment? Or, or why can't you speak up and say, hey, listen. We're waiting for someone. When the third party comes, we'll be ready to order. I mean, I, I mean, I just think that sometimes some of the stuff people aren't speaking up. They're being they're being a little they're being a little shaky with, with their responses. They're not putting people at ease. They're not making people know who you are. They don't know you. And, and, and at the same time, some of this is a bunch of ish too. We we clearly know. That white people are given more credibility from jump than black people. That is what's going on. We know that. But to repeat it ad nauseum and, and to and to pretend like this isn't the case, I mean we've been we you you've been here for centuries. We know you're not perceived as credible as as white people. White people are given leniency leniency from jump. So you're gonna have to figure out a way to navigate under those circumstances. But some of us, as, as, as even Daryl had said, some of us do feed in to some of this, and we don't really want to don't really want to own up. Like why 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 didn't you want to buy something if you're there for business? Like who does that? I don't know. It's it's it is confusing. Okay, Daryl. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, I'll just say it like this. Like I know if there's a place where. They say that they're to meet a friend or the, to meet for a business deal. Okay, this is where I'll play counterintuitive to myself. I'm not going to a business deal in sweats, slacks, a nice shirt. You know, if it's a business deal, you're there for. You know, I, 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 I yo, you look the part. Just as you just said, time. We're coming from a culture. You know, that start, this started with Facebook and started with the Internet boom, you know, where, okay, we're, we're changing the paradigms and the dynamics. And Captain's getting what I'm saying, of, of how we're doing business. We're going to do it all open air and flip-flops, shorts, you know. We're not your regular business. 
The problem is not every business is like that. You're in Philly. You're in a nice part of Philly, but you're still in Philly, okay? You're doing business. Hey, loafers, slacks, nice shirt, nice sweater. I guarantee that doesn't happen. But because one of them looked like a bum, I'm sorry to say it like that way, I think that's why they got accosted. I'm I'm just spitting I'm spitting devil's advocate to myself. What happened was wrong, but you know when when cops come in to arrest you and you're wearing uh, sweats and stuff and you say I'm here on a business meeting, who goes to a business meeting in sweats? But again, like you said, it's the new age. I, this is what this is where my disconnect comes into the new age. And hell, I'm the original guy that was for the white nerds, and I'm too white for the black nerds, I'm caught in the middle. I'm the original guy saying that. Back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, you know, listen, let's go to Sean Christopher, um, one of our stalwart supporters, of course, and I'm going to read some of, some of his comments. He says, people routinely go to Starbucks to use the internet, etc., without paying for anything for short periods. I would like to know how long they were sitting there. See, I, I had that question, too, like, how long were they really there? I would like to know how they responded when asked if they planned to buy anything. Okay, that's another see, that's, see, that's, that's important. Were they asked? I believe they were. Were they asked politely? This is beyond how they were dressed. Come on, they were friends. They don't need to dress for each other. See, Sean, come on now. You, you, you're on the Afroner show. Let's, 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 let's really get into raising the synapses. It's not about dressing for themselves. You're going to a business meeting. You dress for the business meeting. Matter of fact, if you're going to get really meta with it, I would, have, I would have dressed, and I've done this when I've done outside projects. Uh, I might put on, you know, a button down. It doesn't have to be, like, listen, it is a casual situation, so I would wear jeans with a button down, maybe a windbreaker, okay? Uh, maybe even a cap. Okay, I could see that, right? But, um, I'm going to dress in a certain way, in a, in a semi-professional, casual way for myself so that I believe that this is a serious endeavor we are undertaking. So it's not that you're dressing for your, for, for your friend. You're dressing for the situation, and you're dressing for yourself because, hey, if we're going to really do business, I got to believe, at least, at least unto myself, that, yeah, we're ready to do business. But if you're there, like, in a sloppy situation... I don't know. I mean, it, it comes off like you don't really believe you're conducting business. I, I just don't know. I mean, it, I just, that's just a thought that I have. And again, I got to go. I got to go back to. Um, and this is where we have to really dig into Starbucks behind. Starbucks isn't making isn't really making it clear. They might have said something um, to the employees, but I don't know if they said it as a set it. And Daryl said this set it as a standard where everybody is on the same page, the customers, the patrons, and the employees and management that, listen, you can't sit around here all day and loiter without paying something because this is a business. That's not really clear because what I'm hearing is, you know, that that, uh, I didn't play this clip, but um, the, the woman that this white woman that taped the incident had said, I go there all the time, and half the time I'm not buying anything. 
and she knows other people that do that. So, again, she's, she's probably native to the area. She might be a resident. It's a, a, a high-priced white Tony area, and if we're going to keep it 100, there are probably some white people that are, that are not in that area code, and they may stick out as well. I have heard stories from, from white folks that will tell you, listen, I got, I've been in certain blue blood, blue blood areas where white folks know among themselves, mm, you, don't look, you look like you are on the other side of Long Island. You don't belong. You don't belong on the on the golden egg or the eastern egg, which is like the 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 most toniest part of 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 Long Island. That that is uh, Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby country. Okay, you will stick out as a fear. Certain white people stick out, but see, we don't want to get into the fine into the into the finer notes with this stuff. And again, I appreciate these cats. There was some cogitation going on because they didn't turn up, as they say. Because if they turned up, then all of this would have got much more murky. The reason, the reason why it's, this thing probably even has legs is because once biographies came out, they were able to say, okay, these Negroes are a little bit different. My, my only issue with this, and it reminds me a little bit about the Henry, the Dr. Skip Gates, the Henry Louis Gates situation at Harvard. You know, I talk about this a lot, too. This, this gentleman got got uh, hemmed up by the cops for breaking into his own house. He's on heart. He's a, he's a professor, uh, uh, an esteemed, everybody knows uh, Henry Louis Gates, an esteemed tenured professor at Harvard. Okay? He is a personality. But even his damn neighbors didn't know, allegedly didn't know him, any other black man. He came in from a, a trip from China and he, uh, this trip from China, he was tired. He couldn't. He didn't. He didn't have the keys to his house. This has happened to people. So he broke into his own house. His neighbors looking out for him, but somehow didn't know it was him. He gets bothered by the police, a white cop and a black cop. He turns up. Now, you know, I said this ad nauseum. You, you know. The cop was telling him, the white officer was telling him, well, let's talk about this on your porch. Yo, yo mama, he goes into, he goes into Nog speech. Yo mama's on the porch. I thought this was a Harvard professor. So what I'm saying is, from Hamlet, from the Ham, Hamlet, Shakespearean, to thine, to thine own self be true. To thine own self be true. I am a nerd. I'm not going to front and act differently because I, because of some kind of perception of blackness. Now some black people do that. Some people, some blacks, let's keep it 100, play a role. They turn up because they think they're supposed to turn up. Even even a Harvard professor felt like it was time to turn up. Why? If you're a Harvard professor, act like a Harvard professor. That's it. Cap? Can you hear me? Yes. Hold on. Yeah. All right. Daryl has popped out. So it's just me and you okay. for now. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Well, you know, well said, man. There's a lot of different angles you can go on this. There's a lot of different. Let's, let's see how it shakes out, though. 
a lot of different stuff you can go on this, man. As I said before, here in New York, I've seen the white guy get thrown out several times. To, man, you know, for that same reasoning. He just didn't look like he didn't belong, you know? So as you go in a place like this, the certain high-end stores here in New York City, you know, they, they eyeball you from, from the time you just walk in. Oh, he don't look like the proper client for this. He don't look like, let's watch him, let's watch him. Oh, yep, okay. He needs to be escorted out, that sort of thing, you know? So it's just interesting. It's really interesting with this. Well, well, you remember you remember the Barney's case from a few years ago. We probably discussed it. Yeah. Uh, and even yeah. even Jay Z and even Jay Z was involved in it because Jay Z had some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of licensing licensing deal with Barney's, and they wanted him mm-hmm. to speak up. I, I guess this is before uh, the woke days, and he was reluctant. Mm-hmm. You remember? See, we look at Jay Z differently somewhat now. After after um, what was the, his latest album? Um, nineteen was it nineteen? Wasn't it? What's the name of his damn album? The one that just came I, out. I can't. Even, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I'd show you how much I was interested. <laughs> oh, I liked a couple of cuts on there. Yeah. You know. Um. Well, anyway, a four four four. Yeah, four four four. Yes. It just came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um. If, in that case, you know there was there were a litany of cases. Hell, even um, Rob Brown, the actor, who's probably a seven-figure guy. Rob Brown was uh, scrutinized when he bought some some you know. So you had black folk that you know were of means and got scrutinized at Barney's. So I mean, this is I'm never going to I'm never going to say. That some of this stuff doesn't bear, doesn't uh, isn't valid, okay? Um, I what I do think is, let's get this Wakanda thing going on. Stop, stop patronizing some of these folks that don't respect you as well. But but also be be mindful that when you start to get your Wakanda on, and when you if you bring back uh, if you if you bring back a a a new Black Wall Street. Okay, if you get black, if we get a Black Wall Street 2.0, you will probably have black owners that will scrutinize your black ass too. What does that oh, mean? Let me, I, you, you know, let me tell you the story. <laughs> yeah, I t- yeah, I told it to you a billion times already. <laughs> the one in Florida <laughs> mm-hmm. with the credit card. You know, well, was he was he a, was he a black owner? Yeah, he he was. To find that, come to find out, he was a part owner of that of that uh store in the mall. Well, it was the incident. He was a part owner. You know, it was the incident. It was a black guy this time. We were paying for a particular item with a credit card. White guy goes right before us. And while we were still deciding for a more expensive item, the item wasn't that expensive. The item was like 45 bucks, right? But the white guy rung up stuff. It was around like 88 bucks, around that amount. Puts down a credit card. No problem. Didn't ask for any uh, ID or anything like that. At the given time, I don't know if the laws have changed, but at the given time, really, they were not supposed to ask you for an ID on a credit card. A check is different. You know, but a lot of places would just automatically ask for an ID. And most people, you'll show your ID. Not a problem. You know, because you think it's the right thing to do. 
But technically, at the given time, they weren't supposed to do that, and a lot of credit card companies didn't want it. Mom and pop stores have a tendency to ask for ID because if it's fraudulent for whatever reason, a charge is made and you you cancel the charge or what have you, anything like that, they get stuck with like a $50 or $75 deductible. It can add up for a mom and pop store. Big change didn't necessarily bother with it at the given time. So now white male leaves the store. Now it's time for us to go. Now, long time friend I've known from years. He makes money. You know, makes he makes really good money, really good money. He's a, he's a business owner himself. We're there in Florida. Go to pay for the item. Black guy starts looking at the credit card left and right. I said, here we go, right, right behind the counter. And he says, you know, you never can tell. You know, he starts laughing. <laughs> you never can tell. You guys got ID? So my boy puts down his ID. Yeah, not thinking anything about it. Gives it to him. He rings it up. June, the guy goes, yeah, I just wanted to make sure and everything. You know, still not paying attention. We leave the store. We get the item. We leave the store. No problem. I turn to my, my boy, friend, longtime friend, also business associate. I said, I said, did you see what he do? Did you see what he just did? He goes, no. I said, look, white guy went before us, more expensive item, didn't ask, ask him for ID. He was less expensive item. He, he decided to ask us for ID. Now, my friend gets into a conniption. He goes, I'm going to go back. I said, no, pick your battles. Pick your battles. This is a minor one. You understand? If it gets more boombastic, <laughs> so to speak, then we can go in. We're not going to go in on this one. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. There you go. Come to find out, I didn't know at the time, I thought he was just a worker in the store. No. He was a percentage owner in the store. He was a percentage owner, that guy. So there you go. Wow. He scrutinized us, he checked us, and everything else. You know? So, so you're saying your friend had, had an ownership in that store? No, no, not him. The black guy that worked in the store. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, you right, understand? right. That checked us. Yeah. Comes to find out that that was a situation. You know, I thought that guy was just a worker. No, he had a percentage. So he's a decision maker. All right? He's a decision maker. <laughs> well, well, look, just, Let's you know, listen. the black guys. Well, hey, you know, you got to be honest. Black folks, even if if it, even if you, if he were not a business owner, he could still be a person of color following white instructions. Yes. I mean, that's either way, it comes out to the same result. So it's not like we don't know mm-hmm. that this stuff doesn't happen. Again, that's I right. just think that there's a couple of things that black folks, I feel, should be doing. A, we need to start recirculating our money in our own neighborhoods to our own benefit, numero uno. It, it has become so paramount based on the current administration, the zeitgeist, just what's happening. We're not going to make it as a collective if we don't start to, to figure out a way to patronize our, ourselves. That's number one. Even what, what we do here at AfroNerd, we, we try our best to highlight black creatives. I do mention black – we both do uh, mention black businesses. We, we, we're going to have to ratchet that up a bit more. I think it's really time to get into this black state of mind. Not that 
we never necessarily left it, but I think we need to start to reemphasize it. And I have to confess, you know, it was something I was looking at a pair of sneakers because I'm a quasi sneakerhead, but I, you know, listen, I can't go full full nutcake with buying every kind of sneaker. And and many of the sneakers that everybody finds hot are just ugly and way overpriced. Like you will never see me wear Yeezys. I I don't find Yeezys like a really a nice looking shoe. You know, what I don't consider I don't I'm not impressed with Kanye's uh fashion skills. That's just me. But I did happen to see and I I, I hate it when I miss certain certain trends or a certain pair of sneakers that are out for a brief spell of time. So I was unaware. I just happened to, to uh, look at a picture of Chadwick Boseman, you know, the Black Panther, Chad, the actor for the Black Panther. And I, I saw I saw him wearing a pair of red, black, and green, almost like the same, the same kind of motif as the uh, Low End Theory album for Tribe Called Quest. He had red, back, red, black, and green Air Force Ones. And they were only, they were, they were Black History Month edition of Air Force Ones. And I probably will get them, but they're kind of expensive. But, they, but when they first came out, they weren't as expensive. They were not as, as expensive. And, but they were, you, you had to get them at a particular time in a store, Amazon, eBay kind of person. I like to order my stuff online. I don't necessarily want to go to an establishment. But what, what, I guess what I'm getting at is, well, w- why did I leave the need to buy certain things that are pan-Africanist? You know, in the, in the 90s, everybody was buying, and I know Captain knows this, everybody was buying red, black, and green like it, was, like, it, like it was no tomorrow. And even before that, in the 70s, we went through a phase of bu- buying red, black, and green. Now, maybe because of the zeitgeist, admittedly, I want to start buying more stuff that's clearly red, black, and green. I want to. I, I want. It's, it's. There's a need for me, the Afro nerd, to kind of embrace this pan-Africanism. Not that I didn't emphasize it before, but now I really got it. I said, "Damn, am I am I falling for a trend again?" But I think now we can't have it as a trend. We should. We should be about the red, black, and green. We should be about the pan-Africanism. Any damn way. Get your black behind out of Starbucks if you could ha- if you could help it. Anyway, or if you're going to be there, then really do business. I mean, that's what I, I think ultimately. But I will. I, I've said this. We're gonna go to a groove. I've said this. To thine, to thine own self be true. If you're really about business, if you're really not that kind of person. Now let people know that for real, for real, even if you're dressed casually. Be an Afro nerd if that's what you really are. If you really are kind of if you really are kind of professional like these guys, from all intents and purposes, they were college graduates, at least one of them was a confirmed college graduate, a finance uh degreed person, then kinda of act that way. Instead of trying to pretend otherwise and then all these problems come about, then you're being kind of phony, I think. Is that safe to say, Captain, that we'll move to, a, move to a groove and then we'll come back to something else? I think some of that is working itself with this issue. That some of these people are, are being purposely ambiguous. and they're not, I've been in casual clothes where someone might have questioned me, 
But I had I said a couple of sentences and it went away. Well, here's, well, here's the thing. <clears throat> this is something that we have to understand. The mimetic space around the schooled individual, to a certain extent, Afro-nerd, has changed since the 80s and the 90s. You know this to be true. You know this to be true. Around certain individuals, certain institutions, we won't call certain institutions. We, we know which, which ones they are. <laughs> it has changed. So you get the schooling, you get the business aspect, but you also get that other type of thing with it too, which years ago was not there. So you figure a person that's four years, six years training, or eight years of training, you know, years ago that other aspect in that space wasn't really there. Those aspects are there. It's a bit different now in a lot of these places. Maybe if you go to Duke, it's different. Maybe you go to Stanford, it's different. <laughs> you understand? But in some of these institutions, a little bit more. So, so I can't really say. The person may be both of the, you know, both sides now. Not like before. You know, a geek is not necessarily all the way geek now. <laughs> Younger generation. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's a duality with a lot of this. It's just in the space, and I've seen it a lot. I'm like, what's going on with here, man? You know, there you go. Just saying. I'm just saying. That's all. Food for thought. Hello? I think if you can hear me, anyone in the chat room can hear me, I think Afro Nerd's computer has just froze. Interesting aspect. Here we go now. Let's get into a little music. Let's give him a little time to get it back together, people. All right? Let's see what we got here. Just give me a moment. Real time. Real time. Get into this. The heavy, how you like me now song. Check it out.
I'm gonna get into one more song, and after that, we'll go from. I'm here. There. Let's get into. Well, if you want, oh, you here? You can go in. Yeah, I, 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 I got to uh, boot it off, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is All what right. it is. Ghostface with MF Doom, Ray Gun. Let's do it. All right. All right. Superhero from the hood. I ain't star, got the good. Not that good, good like Snoop. I pull a boot to coop, polish up the shoot and gather the truth. Got a brand new ray gun. Lean doom headed down to the range. Shoot the matrix. Catch bullets with my hands and teeth. I break faces. Wild cop chases. Dawn of all ages. I saved the world. That's fucking history pages. My woo crescent shines in the sky at night. Watch out my eagle on my wrist. Take off and fight all my might. Bright glass feet that bright. See a bird or a plane. It's ghost of the might. Two hammers in the diamond blade sword, thicker than the Ford F-150, niggas couldn't lift me. Ass up, damn smash stiff, metal face boom, beware you dare get Cab for the shift, overwork, overtime jerk, even worn, go for mine. In the dance hall, play the wall like handball, till his pants fall, crawl to last call. Loose cannons, screw strip, off the rip, this one for the kipper, get shit. That nigga dig, don't tip the scissors, phone bonds to mask, mask and slippers. Yo, it's sparks, back back of ammo. Warrior set, let your flag flow, ammo. These moves is toys like Blamo. Damn, no chip paint driving on the battle with the Lambo. Blamo. Got it. Afro nerd. Cool selection there, Cap, by the way. <laughs> All right. That's what's All up. right. All right, so let, let's uh you know, before we um we went on air, you were going into a rant. I thought we you should kind of revisit. You were talking about we all you know, we were talking about Kendrick Lamar. Having okay. gotten this auspicious award, the Pulitzer Prize in music. Um, you went into a number of things, so if you could revisit it for the audience. And again, folks, uh, d- despite our technical difficulties, the lines are still open. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Feel free to give your impressions, your thoughts. Now we're talking about Mr. Kendrick Lamar, um, well known. You know, he's, he's a he is a, a definitely a proficient rap artist. We can't take that away from him. Uh, from Compton, I believe, L.A. for sure. So what what are your thoughts about him getting this award and, and just kind of going back to what we were talking about before we started the show? Pressure. Right, let, let, let's get into this. According to Wikipedia, the Pulitzer Prize is excellence in newspaper journalism, literary achievements, musical composition, in case anyone didn't know. But you proper Negroes, you automatically know that. But it just has to be, the air has to be cleared. Now, this is what I was saying to Afrona. I said, I don't have a problem with Kendrick Lamar. He's not like a whack artist. He does have some talent and everything else. But from my standpoint, he doesn't really impress me. You understand? I don't have any problem with him. I don't have any problem with him. I know some of you say, oh, you the old man on the lawn. That's right. 
I'm the old man in the lawn. Listen, let me tell you who impressed me. All right? We're gonna, we're gonna, let's back up through time. When I heard Cool G rap, I was impressed. When I heard Big Daddy Kane, I was impressed. There's certain aspects of LL Cool J, not all the time. I was impressed. Big Pun, I was impressed. Biggie, I was impressed. Nas, I was impressed. Certain aspects of Tupac, not all the time. Certain aspects, I was impressed. Now, let's, let, let's change the genre, all right? Tears for Fears, shout, shout. I was impressed when I heard that song. I was impressed. Prince impressed me. Nile Rodgers, with all that production that he did, that impressed me. You know, I could go, I could go back further, you know, but I won't. But you get the point. A lot of this stuff today doesn't impress me. Artists such as Cardi B. I like her energy. I like her energy, Cardi B, but I'm not impressed. Uh, 6 9 this other one. The, you know, a lot of energy with the music, but to me, the music is really the lyrical content, the talent. It's terrible. It's, it's just terrible. I used to rap. I used to do a little something in music. So I, I have a credibility with this. I could still do, you know, freestyles and things of that nature, as, you know, as they call it today. We used to call it off the head, you know. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not impressed. And when you get awards, it should be something, from my standpoint, it should be impressive. You know, I'm just, it's just like right now it's just, okay, these guys are okay. Let's let's go ahead and do this. Let's just give it to him. Maybe with Kendrick Lamar, it had to do with the Black Panther and everything else and all that other. I can't I can't really say that. Maybe yeah yeah I can yeah yeah I can. I know yeah I can. I, I I will say that. You know I will say that. Maybe he shouldn't have got it. <laughs> you know, but maybe it was the right thing for it, for them to do at this given time. You know how that goes. The politics. I'm just saying, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. And I'm thinking about this in real time. I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm just, nothing impresses me. If I look at Beyonce, I don't have a problem with Beyonce. Not, I can't say anything negative. But her music doesn't impress me. It's all right. You know, it's all right. But it doesn't really impress me. Her performance impresses me. She has a lot of energy. You go to the show, just watching Beyonce, you sweat. You understand? You go, you go, okay, she's definitely doing something. But the music itself is like, eh. you know, Sade impressed me. See, something like that. See? Th- things of that nature. And they talk about R&B and rap. Do, do we really have R&B today? Do, do we really have that rhythm and blues? You know, uh, you know? Is that what Sierra's doing? I don't know. <laughs> I, ju- I just don't know, man. I just don't know. I don't have a problem with Sierra either, but it doesn't impress me. A husband, you know, a, quarter- a quarterback husband, he impresses me. plays very well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he- yeah, he plays real well. The reason why he's impressive, I go off on a total tangent now, is because from a football standpoint, he's a short guy, you know? And normally short guys at the quarterback position don't perform as well as he does. You know, so it's impressive. You know, he's like a 5'11 guy. He actually looks like he's a little shorter, but he's like a 5'11 guy. So that's not good at quarterback. You want to be 6'2 and up. That, you know, that's pro-athlete standard. But anyway, so he's impressive. 
It's just, it's just a bunch of okayness and garbage. That's what I'm just getting right now. You know? I can, for me personally, I can't give awards to okayness. I'm going to say, yeah, this, this, this guy right here, this is the guy. That's just me. That's my personal take on it. Over to you, Afrenerd. Yeah, you know, I spoke to the Oracle about this also, and I, I really don't want to get into this conversation of, well, you know, the, the generational divides and my hip-hop may not be the hip-hop that's the, the Little Zans and the uh, Takashi 6 Nines and all those people. Hold on, though. You can always tell talent. Go ahead, continue. Well, that's what it. Well, that's what it is. I mean, I, I I just don't think that much about Kendrick Lamar. I mean, I know that I I've come around a little bit. Like when he first came out, I wasn't impressed at all. And I knew I believe his uh his his Good Kid or Good Kid Mad City album, if I remember correctly, his album. I just didn't get it. You know, I didn't I didn't get his voice. Um, half the time, you really couldn't. I didn't really get his enunciations. You know, he has kind of a California slash Southern drawl. Uh, we go back to the classic classic hip hop period, where how you enunciate what you, what you say, how you say it, your wordplay is is everything. So there's been moments where I thought like, oh, okay, this guy has some kind of ability. I thought that even some of his performances when he's with musicians. When you know when Bilal, who's uh, who uh, is a prince de- devotee, who is an excellent singer within his own right, when the Roots, when Anna Wise, who we played before, is one of his background singers, when he's in an ensemble situation, kind of get it. So I, I, I'm I'm capitulating a little, but again, to me, there's some level of mediocrity that's going on where we're rewarding like basically what the captain just said. I just feel like we are rewarding mediocrity having seen excellence. I might, I might have a different opinion if I wasn't aware of some of the top flight acts that preceded Kendrick Lamar. And that, you know, Kendrick Lamar has, has, is now, he's been given the distinction of having gotten this award in music when normally it goes to classical artists and jazz artists, Coleman, um, who was am I thinking of? Jeez, uh, let me. You know, let me let me look this up. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak. I just I know Ornette Coleman came to my mind like right away. Uh, uh, you know, you you know, it might have something to do with this. They said in 2017, rap and R&B was the number one music there for America. You see what I'm saying? So that's what maybe they're awarding. That's why some of them are saying if this was the right time. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, here we go. Like I said, Ornette Coleman, phenomenal jazz artist, he won in 2007. Wynton Marsalis won in 97. So you're talking about some, some heavyweights that I'm just mentioning off the top of the dome, right? Um, okay, who won in who won in 2016? Let's see if we uh, can see a trend here. Let's see if we see a trend. Henry Threadgill. Henry Threadgill. 
Henry, Henry and he, you know, he's a brother, and he's in jazz. Okay. Musicianship, though, right? That's musicianship. That's what I'm getting at. Jazz and classical to level. Anytime I noticed people that were considered musicians, considered not only musicians, but when they use the term, when they knock, when they knock around the term um, a genius, and even if they, even if they were a genius in rock, like uh, Prince. Prince did a lot of jazz music. You know what I mean? It's like it's like uh, many of the popular rock gods on some level would also do a little bit of jazz, or even or even I heard a jazz cut by um, a jazz cut by uh, uh, Marvin Gaye. I wish I got a wish I got a pick. It was phenomenal. I mean, if it, listen, there's some names that I would have thought would have been on this list that like, I, I could see Stevie Wonder getting oh, yeah. a Pulitzer. I mean, just yes. just as in, just as involvement with, and again, maybe me, you know, I don't know if he if he's gotten one. Maybe he's gotten one outside of the musical musical category because he was instrumental in, in getting the uh, getting the King Holiday the King Holiday established. But I mean, come on, man. I'm looking at some. I'm going online now. You know, some of the names, some of the, some folks that were actually received citations uh, or posthumous citations: Duke Ellington, Thelonious Monk, John Coltrane, mm. George mm. Gershwin, mm. Scott Joplin. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's Kendrick. I mean, come on. You don't have to go any further. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to go any further. But but the the knobs are going to lost. I mean, someone even said, I was on Twitter, and someone had mentioned, like, you know, this guy uses the B word, and, you know, he does what other rappers do. I mean, he's got some thoughtful, again, gotta be, we have to be specific as to how we analyze this guy. He has some thoughtful themes in his music. You know, they, hey, listen, I will be first to say, there's a couple of jams that I rock with with Kendrick. So I, I'm a Kendrick Lamar supporter. I'm not going to, we got Kendrick on. On our boards, mm-hmm. you know, so that so I can't be phony with it. Does he rise to the occasion of getting a Pulitzer Prize, where he's front page story? I mean, this is a, this is big news. It adds a lot of credibility when someone gets a Pulitzer Prize, especially That's in right. music. So he gets he has the distinction of being the first rap artist, and again, even to get a rap, even even to get. A a a, uh, a a honorable award in the rap category. Like, is Kendrick the first guy you go to for that? Yeah, I don't know. Like you mentioned, some of, you know, if you go into some of the like the class, like I would have been a little bit more comfortable with Nas getting this. Yep. You know, Nas recently Nas recently played before his songs before an orchestra. Was on yep. PBS. I think I even tweeted that out. Now he's the he's the son of Nasir Jones is the son of a, a jazz musician. I mean, some of the some of the real like tight classic rap artists, they had you know some kind of musical ability even outside of. I mean, hell, even as crazy That's as true. Flavor Flav is, 
Brother Flav is a multi instrument multi instrumentalist. Yep. He's a cla- he's a classically trained pianist, believe it or not. Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. Play drums pretty good too. And there's video <laughs> yeah. of him performing and di- video on online where you see him being able to perform. He can play piano proficiently. I mean, you know, you you gotta respect that. I don't think he's deserving of you surprise, but there's a there's a distinct difference between someone from from the classical rap period that has some musical ability and then someone like little little Wayne that you see the nogs applauding this guy for playing a, a, a guitar and it's 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 like <laughs> it's horrible. I mean he has no ability. I mean, something is wrong. When someone to pick up a guitar and play it, <laughs> play it like for the first time, like he he picked up a guitar as if I were to pick up a guitar, like for the first time. Like I can't play a guitar, and neither can he. But no one, but no one was like applauding me. Like this video of people applauding Lil Wayne playing a, a guitar horribly. So I think where we are right now is that we are dealing with mediocrity is getting rewarded. And you said it's about Cardi B. You know, Cardi B, there's talk about Cardi B being compared to Tupac. Yeah, these think pieces on Cardi B being the next Tupac. And I'm, I was really no big fan of Tupac either. I thought, although I, said, I thought Tupac was talented and had, and had an opportunity to excel, he was, he was troubled and, and, and constantly in trouble in different states. So I don't, I don't really give him that. That, that like status that many people afford him. I don't really look at him that way. But I but even but even still even still I still have to look at him differently, you know, as someone of like a like a black Elvis or, you know, any any anybody else or Hendrix, someone like that, in a way, because of his ability to still be relevant after death. That does mean something. But in the case of Kendrick Lamar or well pardon me Cardi B, what are we what are we talking about? Cardi B, I mean, is that how how bad things are now? With Cardi B, and I mean, somebody else's name was mentioned in this bunch as well. There's like a few who, who was somebody else that was mentioned along with Cardi B. Like this is like someone who's current. Was like wow, if we're talking about Cardi B, well, I guess maybe Nicki Minaj, maybe I don't know, but a few of these people that are out currently where they really are. Admittedly, nothing's going on, and that's that's what's left of what real hip hop is now. It's done. I mean, it's really done. If you have an, if you're having Tupac is Cardi B conversation, we we got it's time to wrap this up now. It's time for. It's, it, 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 I mean, really clearly, no one's no one's listen, no one is saying anything. I mean, you know, really? I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, folks, we've got about an hour remaining. This is the Midweek Review edition of Africa featuring Captain Kirk. There's a lot to get into, people. Let's get off of Cardi B. I mean, I, I talk about her incessantly. I know uh, the captain pokes fun at me and sends me, like, latest updates on her success. They just, they keep on giving this, this woman the keys to the kingdom. So, I mean, really. Anyway, um, let's get into a little bit of science and some stuff that's going on that I think is just pretty interesting. And I, I, Actually, some of the stuff we're prob- probably revisiting 
you know, I, I had mentioned, we had both mentioned, and you were, well, actually, you say this quite a bit, Captain, about how media and cinema specifically, that, that cinema's purpose is not just to entertain, but to really inform and or prepare us for what's coming. So yep. what, when we saw uh, the first Jurassic Park film, which I think came out in 93, and now I don't know which one we're on now, the fifth or sixth or whatever, that, you know, this whole concept of, of going back into the past and bringing back to life these prehistoric animals, that it was put out there as fiction. But now scientists, researchers are coming a little bit more closer to that really being a reality. I think they're getting ready to bring back the woolly mammoth. The woolly mammoth is, you know, essentially from the, 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 the ancestor to what we see as the modern pachyderm, the modern elephant. So they're probably going to have to. Well, actually, there's something else that I did not know. When I first heard about this science and being able to bring back a prehistoric animal, there was talk about, okay, well, you'd have to implant the, the zygote or the embryo in a, the, nearest ant, the nearest relative to a woolly mammoth because they're, you know, they're, they're not around. So the, near, the closest thing would have to be an elephant. But now I'm hearing that they, would be, they might be able to do this completely devoid of the animal and just do it in a laboratory and create, like, an artificial embryo. So, I mean, the whole thing is completely science fiction. I mean, science fiction becoming science fact, but, I mean, they have a purpose in this. Like, you know, it's not completely Frankenstein. Because we are talking about more recent, ex- recently extinct animals. So if you're, if you're trying to bring back or to ensure that animals that are on the verge of extinction, that they remain, that you might have to explore this kind of science. But, okay, I get that. But now we're talking about bringing back dodos, you know, what, pterodactyls flying around. I mean, what we see, you know, it's cute for a film, but, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, I guess this is inevitable, man's curiosity, but this seems like this is going to be a real thing. Well, my, my, my thought on this is that the reality, or should I say the truth, is stranger than fiction. Do you see on TV and everything? That's the fiction, you know? That's what they always say. The truth is what they really hide from you. And it gets to the point where you can't hide the truth anymore. So what they may, they might be telling the people, one thing, this is what we plan to do with this. But what they plan to do with it covertly is something more sinister. That's how a lot of times this stuff works. This is a lot of times how this stuff works. That's what these people do. They can't help it. And the mad scientist thing is real, is a real thing. Now, the problem with this stuff is obvious. Woolly Mammoth's allegedly, theoretically, supposed to be, you know, vegetarian, right? Fine. Now, you go ahead and you do that, and then you start to bring back a few meat eaters, and then it goes rogue, and you run into problems. 
They always think they can control something. These things are dead for a reason. <laughs> Keep it de- dead for a reason. You understand? They're dead for a reason. Then from there, you know, you start getting to the rich. Oh, bring back my dead relative. Bring back this. Bring back that. Let's get get into clones. Allegedly, theoretically, potentially, clones are not supposed to live that long due to the fact they don't have the same energy. There's no anchor, you know, allegedly. You know, I won't get into the whole process with cloning, but they can go a lot of, a long way with this, you know, especially for the people that have the kind of money. There's a lot of things that people, they could do with this. But I, I'm a firm believer, you know, if it was really well controlled, which it will not be, you know how that works. Money, money buys, you know, buys the fact that you can pull the controls off, you know. But if it was really well controlled, go ahead and play around. But it won't be. And something bad potentially will happen, you know. That's it. Something may get out, and then it starts breeding in the wild, you know. We don't need pterodactyls flying around. That's obvious. That doesn't need to be explained. You understand? We don't need any of that. <laughs> Goodbye, baby. Goodbye, some of us too. You know? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But the truth is stranger than fiction. Always remember that. And also with these shows, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, they prepare you for what's coming and the things that they want to do. Because there's something that the military learned about people. Now, I'm going to give you an example. If we went back, let's say hypothetically in time, let's say me and Afrener, we went back in the 1930s, of course, we'd have to be a lot more powerful and indestructible because we're not playing that. That's for obvious reasons. We're black. But let's <laughs> say we went back in the 1930s, right? And then I was able to set up a cell phone tower. We was able to set it up where it could work. And we started walking around talking to each other on the phone. What do you think the people would say? People would say, because people are primitive. Humans are very primitive. First thing they say, well, oh, that's the devil's work. That's Satan. They talking. You know how they talk, walking around talking like that. And then if this hypothetical, we tried to sell the product, we wouldn't be able to sell the product. Because they would we think that now. it's Satan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wouldn't be able to sell it. So you need movies, magazines. Newspaper articles, you know, doing little cartoons, introducing it for a few years. Let's say 15, 20 years. Then you go ahead and you go do it. And the people go, oh, okay, you know why? I built, I built the mimetic space. They realize that. So when you have things that you want to introduce new to the people, the best thing to do is put it in comic books, put it in movies, magazines, and the people will take to it. Because people are primitive. You quick, you quick to drop back into that spiritualism. You know, they had the problem a little bit with the internet. You know, they had a little problem with that with Y two K. People were saying, "Oh, it's the devil. It's the this." <laughs> In two thousand, that's what we were dealing with. So you have to, you know, that's why they do these things. That's why they do these. They have that figured out. They understand that. So again, the truth, at times, not all the time. At times, not all the time. It's stranger than fiction. Back over to you, Afrenerd. Yeah, let me read a little bit from one of my favorite websites, IFL Science. I effing love science. You know, it's an expletive, but you know, some people believe in being acerbic, however you want to describe it. But again, IFL Science, one of my favorite uh, websites, IFLScience.com. 
simply entitled, Researchers Claim They Are on the Brink of Bringing the Woolly Mammoth Back from Extinction. A team of researchers say they are on the verge of bringing woolly mammoths back from extinction. Working out of Harvard University under the maverick geneticist George Church, the scientists are confident they will soon be able to create mammoth embryos in the laboratory. The next step will be to grow them in artificial, artificial wombs for the 22 months it will likely take for the fetuses to develop, then have successfully cloned and brought back the mega herbivore. The, term, the, pardon me, the team are set to publish papers in the next few weeks on how they aim to achieve this in more detail. But the basics are fairly well known. We have already sequenced the entire genome of the woolly mammoth, which were, went extinct on the mainland around 10,000 years ago, but persisted on a small island in the Bering Strait until just 4,000 years ago. Due to this, scientists have been able to compare it with its closest living relative, the Asian elephant. This allowed them to pinpoint which major, major genetic changes occurred in the mammoths that enabled them to survive the freezing conditions of the north. Team have been able to take these genes, such as those that give them long hair, small ears, thick layers of subcutaneous fat, and, and antifreeze blood, and insert them back into the, into the Asian elephant genome to create a hybrid species. Now, this wouldn't be a true woolly mammoth, but instead a proxy species showing all the traits and ecological functions that the original animals had. The intent is not to make the perfect copies of extinct woolly mammoths, but to focus on the mammoth adaptations needed for Asian elephants to thrive in the cold climate of the Arctic. Well, look, I'm not going to say it doesn't sound kind of funky. And we've seen, and maybe it's because I, too, have been indoctrinated with cinema that we've already seen this before. So, I mean, again, as fantasy. So if we've seen countless films for the last 25 years that they were already looking to be able to do this kind of thing, then what? Then why not? Was it, I mean, you know, I think, that, I think the fact that this is being done, that this was done in cinema, I think it does take off the... the you know the chill off of it, so to speak. I mean, you of course said it does, that, Captain. I mean, I mean, as I'm saying it, I know that that morally this is probably not a good thing, but I'm I, I'm fighting my instincts because I've seen it on film for so many years. Yeah, you've seen cloning too. So in the next thirty years, you'll be good. Next twenty five years, you'll be good because you've seen it on film. <laughs> You know, you've seen Super Negroes, too. <laughs> well, that's a PCP thing, perhaps. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, look, um, people are already buying clones. We already see uh-huh. it's already available for the wealthy, by the way. Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand, I believe, has purchased two. I believe she's had one dog, like her favorite dog, but clones twice. Mm-hmm. So it's her way of her dog, in a way, her dog, like, living living as long as she will live, potentially. That's kind of what's going on. Even though it's not the same dog, but then again, it is the same dog, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole thing is a little, 
you know, and and then the the, the parameters, the, the the moral parameters. I say moral parameters in quotes. That allegedly, also in quotes, that occur in the states. This is what we do here, allegedly. Yeah. There's nothing stopping, you know, China, Germany, and any of these other um, places. They they don't have the same ethic, ethical concerns. Not really. North Korea. <laughs> you know Get what that I mean? clone ready. <laughs> And even when you said, uh, even bringing back the debt, uh, yep. you know, that, there's nothing to stop. And if you can bring back a woolly mammoth that's been dead thousands of years, then what's the, what harm is it in bringing back George Washington that's only been dead for, you know, 300 years? Mm-hmm. Or rather, his Elvis, who's been dead for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's not like it's not like you can't go to the guy, go to these people's graves or, or not even his graves. You just they got they got Elvis's someone has someone has Elvis's lock of hair. They I saw someone collect you know some collector. I mean, well, how much? What do you need? How much do you need? I mean, maybe you need the bones for that. I, I don't really know how exactly how it works, but I do know you can get some DNA from hair or some you know some genetic the the, the genetic a blueprint. Is it enough to create a human being? I don't know. But, you know, listen, I'm already thinking about it just like as a thought. So as long as it's a thought, some fool is going to, going to enact. And, and also, like the film, is there – and you said this – is there a slippery slope? What happened you – know, why not a pterodactyl then? And those things right. are frightening. Yep. Something that big flying around. People can't handle cl- drones flying around, <laughs> let, let alone a pterodactyl. You know? Don't worry, we have a force field built up. It can't get to you. Yeah, okay. No. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move things forward a little bit. Let's go to more of a. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, let's let's kind of lighten the lighten the mood a little bit. I was uh, perusing the Mary Sue website, and the Mary Sue, you know, of course, the term Mary Sue, I think there's even like a Gary, there's the male equivalent of a Mary Sue is a Gary, Gary something. But Mary Sue is kind of like uh, a, a theme in a story where like the obvious happens, the character that comes to, that kind of saves the day uh, as a trope. Kind of a kind of a tropey character. It's, it's kind of an insider's term for literature, comic books, uh, fantasy. Mary Sue and the male equivalent is the Gary something. Anyway, so I'm checking out the Mary Sue website, and they had a pretty funky thing. I've seen this kind of stuff before, Captain. Did you check out this thing where they had yeah, the whole nineties? It. it looks yeah, pretty I mean, good. I, it's like it looks it's like, pretty it's like, good. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, uh, you know, normally I wouldn't comment on this kind of stuff, but I was like, damn, this is kind of something. I wish they would do something like this anyway. You know, just, just because, like, you know, even, or even do some kind of '90s, you know, something like what would the Avengers have been in the '90s? I mean, we know that the CGI wouldn't have been, would have been. Well, you know, then again, what am I, what am I to say? 
I say that. I mean, it wouldn't have been like it is now. But at the same time, I was impressed with Jurassic Park in 93. And I remember even looking at it. I said, okay, if they can do this, if they could do this now, and they, again, we're going back 20 years ago, in my head I was like, well, this is, we could get the superhero thing going then. I remember saying that then. So I'm, let me, I'm trying to find that, uh, that piece. Did I send it to you? I'm trying to find it to look at it, look for it myself. I thought maybe I sent it to you. I know I had it somewhere. Anyway, I just off the off the top of the dome again. Uh, it was a fantasy, a fantasy casting for the Avengers if it were done in the with '90s actors. So uh, Tom Cruise was was considered for Tony Stark, and actually his name was was out there anyway. And you know if it hadn't gone to RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., um, you know, Tom Cruise's name was floating around. But, I mean, we do know him as an 80s, 90s guy, even though he's still very present today. But I could, you know, I could see him as, as Tony Stark. I mean, he kind of has that, you know, you see him in Mission Impossible. He's already, he, already, he already plays the Impossible White Man films anyway. So, <laughs> so I, I can kind of get with yeah. it. Even Eddie Murphy's game came up. What was Eddie Murphy's? Eddie Murphy was Falcon. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. He he would have been a funny Falcon. You know, I don't I don't really see. You know, he doesn't do do the serious stuff. Well, he's done some serious stuff, but he he appears not to really want to do serious movies. Not not really. He's more about the money. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I give this, you uh, I'm gonna put this in the in the chat room. But if the Avengers were cast in the 90s, is the most perfect thing I've ever seen. So it has Brad Pitt as Captain America, uh, John Stamos as the Winter Soldier, Matthew Broderick as Ant-Man. See, that's kind of, you know, Jim Slater as Hawkeye, Alicia Silverstone as Scarlet Witch, and she was Batgirl in the 90s. Uh, who else do we have? I said Iron Man is Tom Cruise. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is Spider-Man. Yeah, you see, young Leonardo really did kind of favor Peter Parker. I could see that. Yeah, that uh, would work. Mila, Mila Jovovich, Black Widow. You know, she's, yep, she's got that work. foreign it'll accent. Work. She's got kind of, you know, uh, Denzel as Black Panther, young. Hell oh, yeah. See, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you got two crazy ones on here. That's I mean, every, every every one I've been to so far is kind of knocking them out the park. Yep. You know, Look at War uh, Machine. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Look at War Machine. All these things here, just for s and giggles. Um, Ethan Hawke as the Vision. Oh well, yeah, he's that. a good enough actor. I don't, I don't really see him for that, but yeah, I can, I get it. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as War Machine. I can see that. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Dolph Dolph Lundgren as Thor. Yep. That guy, you know, listen, <laughs> he's tall, <laughs> muscular, blonde. You know, you might want someone who has a little bit more acting prowess. Yes. You know what I mean? But, I mean, if he, because if, listen, that guy, he was uh, Nick Fury at one time, wasn't he, I think? He played, he played, uh, uh, Dolph, Dolph. he played Nick Fury. When did he play, when did he play that? Oh, for you know, and, and listen, the guy is Swedish. Okay. 
That I know. He is Swedish. You know what I mean? So I mean, you know, you, you, you got if you're getting into the into the Nordic situation, he's kind of that guy. Yeah, he played he played the Punisher in 1989. That I know. Yes. So he's not he's not unknown to uh, this type of stuff. The Hulk. Yeah, I can see him as Bruce Banner. I can see him as Bruce Banner. Uh, Keanu Reeves as Doctor Strange. Nah. Maybe. Nah. Maybe. You know that's not that's Keith David. As Nick Fury, he can do that now. Yes. He's got that voice. Um, Gary Oldman as Loki. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Ron Perlman, who we know for uh, for Hellboy. Yes. As Thanos. Yeah. 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 The last the last one here, last couple of uh, names. Um, this is good too. Brendan Brendan Fraser as Star Lord. Yeah. Yep. Because he was that goofy guy in the nineties. Yep. Uh, uh, Halle Berry as Gamora. They kind of see that. Mhm. Uh, Demi Moore as Nebula, so she would be the sister. I can see that. Yeah. This is now. This is crazy here. Joe Pesci as Rocket Raccoon. That's off the chain. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's off the chain. <laughs> uh, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Drax is off the chain. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. And the last one here is uh, Winona Ryder as Mantis. People are already saying that you know, listen, Mantis is kind of perceived as you know a, an Asian actor doing that. So you know, mm-hmm. it's the '90s, so I, to, I guess they had to keep things you know <laughs> pre-Black Panther style, I guess. But whatever. It's pretty good. But some, Good. Some of these names, mm-hmm. some of these names, yo, hundred percent. Denzel is Black Panther, man. Cuba Gooding as War Machine. Come on, man. <laughs> Look, I, I had made it. I had made it known that I thought that Denzel Washington should have been should. Have, well, in theory, I had already said he should have been a Black Panther. I should. I, I thought he should have been T'Chaka. Yes, she did say that. I thought I thought all along. I mean, as much. I mean, this, that's the only failing. I mean, listen, I, I thought the actor. Here we go. Um, they had a, they, they had a real father and son, so that that made things a little. It was cleaned up, really. But I thought that you know, in 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 the comic books, even if we even when you saw an older T'Chaka, um, he was still a physical presence. You know, this older gentleman. Um, what was his name? Canna, I think his name is John Canna, Joseph Canna, the actor. Uh, I appreciate that he was in it. I mean, he was he was very good, but I just thought that. And then his son played. The son ended up playing T'Chaka in like ninety early nineties. You know that the, the opening scene in Oakland. So mm-hmm. I get it, but I think that an older, older Denzel. Knowing how he gets down, playing T'Chaka now would have been sufficient. But 25 years ago, oh yeah, the ch- it would have been off the chain. Let, let, let's get in. Let's get into that. Denzel was in this movie, all right. The Black Panther that just passed. Denzel's not going to die. It's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> you gonna kill me? Before. He has died before. 
I don't. You know, it, when he this point, he said, no, you're not going to kill me. Nope. None of that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I guess I wonder, I wonder, was he ever considered for that? For Tachaka? I mean, or was it really a whole price point situation? See, that's, that's where you get into the effery. I really, I really thought that I really thought, I really thought that they they were going to get someone an older. I mean, a few people didn't have to necessarily be just because because one of the names wasn't just. I mean, he was like a like an obvious Tachaka. Thought about Wesley for Tachaka, even though, well, first of all, he would have been an excellent Tachaka because he's still a physical specimen. So I I could I could kind of see that he could he would have still been able to make moves and do some ill stuff. So that would have been interesting. But I also know that, well, it's give or take with what what they're gonna do with Blade. But I thought he would have been a good he would have That's been a good thing. Tachaka. So it, it would have been either those two, I thought. For like now, Tachaka today, so to speak. I thought that would have been a good one. So they would have mm-hmm. still been like a physical presence to kind of give off a certain air. But I'm not gonna hate on the gentleman that played Tachaka now. I'm not I'm not gonna really do that. I'll just say this. Now I think we'll go to a, a musical break and we'll come back. I thought that, um, you know, listen, these things end up kind of having a life of their own. At the very least, I, I want to get your impressions on this. I mean, this is really kind of nothing, but, you know, it's nothing to say that these, some of these actors can't get down for some kind of, some kind of uh, animated effort. You know, we know that the... Uh, uh, Miles Morales, and I'm actually getting more and more interested in that when we go to these movies and we see the trailers for the uh, I think the December premiere of the Miles Morales Spider-Man animated thing. Uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm actually as hyped up for that. I, when I first heard about, it, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to see an animated Spider-Man, but at, the animation looks so much like a Pixar thing. I'm impressed with it. So I'm I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be interested in that as if it were live action. But who's to say um, that we couldn't see a live action? I'm sorry, a animated version of an Avengers or something with these same actors in it today. Well, you definitely could do that. You could definitely do that. It would be interesting to see. But I'm more amped for that Miles Morales Spider-Man more so than any Spider-Man since the first one. Yeah, that's been on the screen. Because to me, that's only the only good Spider-Man that I've seen. I'm just going through the motions with all these other Spider-Man. <laughs> it was that first one. That's it. That's it. All, all the stuff. Okay. Spider-Man, you got to go watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. They, 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 right now, they don't have chemistry between the two. Whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That I'm at for, though. Definitely am looking forward to seeing that. I hope they don't drop the ball though. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Uh, I have to agree with you on that. I'm. I'm not. You know, it's, it's okay. The Spider-Man thing. You know, I, you know, yeah. when I first heard about, it, maybe because we've seen so many Spider-Man iterations, also mm-hmm. that you know, I'm not as I'm not as uh, enthralled with the character. But this Miles Morales Spider-Man, I have to say, even in animated form, I'm actually excited about that thing. Yeah. I mean, I actually want to say. I, I think it might be surprising as to how much money that movie makes. Mm-hmm. It might make a little bit of change. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be something to take lightly. I think it might I think it's gonna it might do what Marvel always does. <laughs> I got that suspicion. 
Anyway, let's 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 uh, groove. We come back. Um, I I want to talk. I think we can do more movie talk. Steven Spielberg, who appears to be uh, you know back into the back into the into the game with Ready Player One. I'm you know funny I use the term game, and now he's connected with this DC property, the Blackhawks. Uh Again, another property I probably would not have an interest in, but I do know the Blackhawks, and it gives off kind of a no-brainer because the Blackhawks kind of go into an Indiana Jones kind of thing. So he might be a perfect fit for a DC, you know, World War II movie. Uh, You know, this is kind of up up his alley. I, I just wonder, will there be any kind of connection to, you know, the DC universe? I'm I'm curious about that because, you know, it's, it is a Spielberg film. Will he go extra with it like that? Or or, does, or, or even will, you know, is, is DC still interested in an interconnected universe? I don't know. I will confess. I don't know. All right. Let's go to a quick groove. About two minutes. We'll be right back. We'll be back with uh, DC Spielberg Blackhawks. This is the family stand connected. A few minutes, folks. We'll be right back.
Good song. Family stand. Connected, connected. The Midweek in Review edition, folks. Feel free to buzz on in. The lines are still open. 646-915-9620. We got a caller. Two zero. Let's uh, let's go to the phones. Seven three two. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? My name is Joe Kay. I'm from New Jersey. I just want to thank the Black Lightning for a great season. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about it, but I thought it was a great season. Uh, I also want to thank the creators of Black Lightning for shouting out the Black Panther, the '70s group and also the Black Panther movie. Because if it wasn't for the Black Panther excitement, you know, Black Lightning probably wouldn't get that push. But, you know, I just want to thank thank them for a great season, and uh, I want to see what you guys think about that. Because uh, there was an episode that Jefferson was wearing the Black Panther shirt. What you guys think about it? You know, you must have been reading my mind, because actually I was going to, even though I talked, you said that we're going to talk about the Black Hawks, and we will. You know, I didn't uh, see when I went to the break, anyway. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, like, talking about Black Lightning for a half a second. I did happen to see the uh, the last episode for the season, and I I was I was disappointed that it was the last episode. I was like, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, I, I will confess, I thoroughly I thoroughly like. I will say it is uh, my favorite DC. CW series right now, even above the Flash. The Flash is getting a little campy, you know. So I still, I still look at the Flash. I still, you know, I still kind of sort of like it, but nah, you know, the Black Lightning musical, the soundtrack is the business. The, the yes, way, sir. the way that they, the way that they use the music when the actors are getting ready to get into something. Um, they had an Earth, Wind, and Fire moment. I recollect it's mm-hmm. like little. They know when to make the music. It gives it kind of a, a heightened sense of reality when the, when the music is really on point. They're very good with, like, classical R&B. Uh, not even R&B. It's really classical soul music I need, know to play. And listen, they got, uh, they got some of the uh, – I forgot what I rec- – I, I recognize the song, too. Uh, it was one song that was definitely like a uh, – a, uh, even I can tolerate that because at least it does kind of sort of fit. So I, I can tolerate some of the stuff I don't like. When balance, it's balanced, you know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. You know, it, it actually it actually has a little bit more bearing. The, the music acts as a character unto itself. So when I do listen to the trap music, because what was it? What was it? Was uh, what was the song that we're playing? Uh, Jim, Jimmy. Was it like Jim, uh, Timmy Turner? I heard Timmy Turner as, as one of the cuts on there. And Timmy Turner is essentially a trap song, but and also a uh, cartoon. <laughs> but anyway, um, it, you know, if it was by itself, I would have hated Timmy Turner. Purposes of the of the of the series, I was into it. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait till I can't wait till uh, season two. And also, I see that Clondon, the the actor that plays uh, Tobias Whale, who's a very humble dude. And also, I'd like to see him get some, you know, on the musical tip. You know, listen, a man has been in the rap game for quite some time. You might want to play some of his music. Uh, as, I mean, I hope they do as part of the soundtrack. Why not? Um, I like what that guy is about. And he, and, I, and it's funny that the black, as you mentioned, the Black Panther thing. When you hear these actors 
discuss their roles, especially Crondon, Crondon, I should say. He, you know, there, there is a Killmonger vibe with him. So, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't shy away with the Killmonger, uh, Tobias Whale, you know, villains with complexity vibe. So I, I'm, uh, I'm actually quite pleased with the product. I mean, I can't wait till season two. I, I thought that this, the season ending was cool. Everything is pointing in the right direction. Now, we mentioned this on the show. If, you know, we see the it, – it, there is a lot of um, connections to what feels like static shock. Yeah. You know, the, the, I was going to ask, gonna ask do you think that um, one of the milestone characters might, you know, make an appearance in the show? I don't know what's up with the milestone content, but – I thought they were in the same universe, but DC. But uh, I would think that would be a cool, uh, you know, idea if they would show it up on the on the TV show. Like, because they kind of like, you know, uh, talked about like, you know, kind of like the Bang Babies, bang, something bang. like that. Right. Yeah. So uh, that would be cool. <laughs> if they try to do something. Cap, like that. what are your thoughts? Yeah. Thought of, thoughts about what the gentleman is talking about with? Uh, well. Black Lightning. Well, well, I haven't seen the last episode as yet. I was going to watch it after this. But that being said, when the show first started, it started off a little rocky to me. The first episode Mm -hmm. wasn't really that good. The second episode got a little bit better. By the third episode, I said, okay, it's picking up, you know. But then all of a sudden, it started to jump up. Everything started to mesh. took a little time to find its bearings. That's why a lot of times, there's a lot of people that were just going in on the first episode, saying, well, oh, it was this, this, everything was off, and, you know, the timing, actually, that's correct. That's fine. But there's one thing we've learned with watching episodic TV. You have to watch at least three to four episodes. You understand? You just can't make a judgment on one episode like that with this stuff. That's what you have to do because these things will turn around. Agents of Shield, the whole season, season one was garbage. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. that was, man. Yeah. That was trash. Second season yeah. got a little bit better. Third season, it started to pick up. You know, good programming. You know, they stayed in it that long. You know, I talk about True Detective. You know, True Detective was incredible first season. Second season, I don't know what happened. Garbage. You know, it was just total garbage. So this stuff, this time, the way this stuff works, you have to give it a little time to work. Now, overall, I say it's very good. It's picked up well. I like the family interaction. That's what I like seeing, the way they interact. That seems very real to me. Not at first, not in the first episode. Forget about that. That was bogus foolishness, man, getting stopped in the suit and everything else. That was foolishness. But the interaction with the family. I thought it was very, very well done. That's what I like seeing, how he interacts with his wife, how he interacts with the kids, you know, his two kids and everything else. Also, you get to see the middle class black person, and you also get to see the person that's hustling, passing through the neighborhood or passing, you know, you're walking past them. That's real life. That's a real life scenario type situation that you see there. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. where I live. That's what I see, <laughs> you know. So that, I thought that was well done. Uh, so I think overall, overall, it's well done, and I'm interested in seeing what they will do 
next season with this yeah. and how it can go to a higher level, what they're going to do with, do with it. Don't sleep, Afro-Nerd. I'm going to use my six Earth 616 James Jasper. We'll make it the number one show on CW. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Black Panther yeah. came and did all the numbers. Here we go again. I stretch forth my hand. All right? Black Lightning becomes number one next season on CW. There you go. Yeah. You might be on, you. you might be on to something because it is number two after the flash presently. So it's already tracking that way. And it was you know, listen, it was renewed for season two very quickly. All of the CW shows have been renewed. But yeah, Black Panther is the second Black Panther. <laughs> Black Lightning is the second most popular CW TV series right now, CW superhero series. So um, it's doing quite well. And um, what you referenced also is that there's layering you know, to make the Black Panther analogy. The fact that you do see all these different types of black people interacting or maybe not interacting, having things in common, maybe not having things in common. Um, you know, even, even the multiracial aspect of it where you have uh, you know, I forgot the character name. The guy's basically his mentor. Um, the the cat that was uh, I always think I always Works think about him as being Grimes. This is going back. Grimes in Forty Eight Hours. Like he was the if you remember, he was like the <laughs> villain in Forty Eight Hours with, with Eddie Murphy. Uh, yes. And now he's playing like this kind of you know kind and 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 stately uh, CIA operative. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see that he's, you know, he messed up, but he's trying to make amends. He's trying to protect the community. And then you got the nefarious white people. You, you got, uh, you know, you got the, the, the Machiavellian black people. You know, because even the villains are not stereotypes, really. You know, if you think of someone like, um, well, obviously Tobias Whale. Um, my guy. If you think about the, the Jill Scott character, if when, she's probably going to come back in some way. They'll figure that Lady out. Lady E good. Yeah, she was good. You know, that was a good change of pace. Well, she ran a, you know, she was, you know, she was a mortician. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's things going on. There are things. And then they also have the, the lean on me moments that I like, where he is mentoring these, these, these kids. He's trying to tell them, listen, there's another way. There's, there's, there's you know, teachable moments. It's not like just knobs just bugging out like an empire. I've never seen Empire or, or even uh, Power. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that because if it, if it was going to go in a power direction, I would have been out. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty on board with that. But let's go to this Blackhawks thing. I'm going to keep the caller on if you like to discuss. It's going to go into one more, uh, one more segment. Uh, Steven Spielberg, legendary director. You know, his name's been kind of in and out. You know, he, listen, he's had his run. He's like one of the biggest, uh, he and George Lucas. I mean, they're like, that's like the, the pillars of Hollywood. But everybody has their time in the sun. Uh, this time around, it looks like he's, you know, coming back for a second wind. And we really haven't heard of Spielberg being connected to a superhero flick like this. So now we're seeing that his name is being connected to a Blackhawk film. So I, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with the Blackhawks, you know, but it wasn't a comic book that I picked up. But, you know, I know Daryl could probably go into it deeper than I can. But uh, I have seen them in animation. Uh, I, I'm, you know, again, I'm aware of the books. 
they're mostly military comics. I think the book that they come from is literally called literally called military comics from the, from the early 1940s. Um, you know, it's, it, they, they, you know, it's like this operative military group of flyers. There's a Lady Black Hawk. Uh, there is, they are the Black Hawks, plural. And then there is a, a man called Black Hawk. So everything, you know, everything's in this whole World War II kind of white Tuskegee Airmen. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what they are. So, um. This is definitely up Spielberg's alley, so I, oh, yeah. I get it. You know, it, it it seems like something that definitely lends itself to a Saturday afternoon kind of uh, definitely, you know, definitely what what he was going for with the Indiana Jones films, a serial. So it's not going to be like a Saving Private Ryan or something like that, or. Well, I mean, we don't know, but I mean, if it, listen, if if. If it is a Warner Brothers DC Universe property, they're gonna be they're gonna be the black. I'm assuming they're gonna be the Blackhawks. I mean, the Blackhawks that, that we've seen, you know, they're, they're heroes. That they're, they're non-powered ace pilots. Matter of fact, I think the Blackhawks were in a Justice League episode. We're in several Justice League episodes. It was a Justice League episode where they went back in time. Was it back in time? Yeah, it was back in time where where, where um. Wonder Woman meets a younger Steve Rogers, and then when she comes back, she meets him as an older man. But she she met the Blackhawks, but so the Blackhawks are definitely DC interacting heroes, but they're known for you know World War II stuff. So I, I don't think it's going. I don't. I think it's going to be you know kind of set up like a serial. I would think. Again, in the forties, we're talking about the time now. The Black Hole, the the Blackhawks actually outsold Superman on occasion. They they were extremely popular because they they wow. still fit in. You know, mm. you know, back then, you know, the, the concept of the superhero was still somewhat unique. It wasn't set in stone with people flying around and running fast. So, uh, the Blackhawk comic book was still in line with pulp heroes, even though, you know, it was still in a comic book. So I could see. Uh, how Spiel and I think Spielberg actually was supposed to do a Black Hawk film years ago, so he was attached to this at one point. So he's back at it. He's back at it now. Do you think Warner Brothers? You know, you know if you're going to have Spielberg on this thing, okay, fine. Is there going to be a need to make this somewhat connected in some way? To the DCEU with with the superhero stuff. Well, well, yes and no, you know, because you do have Spielberg, and they, as you said, Spielberg, it's it's up his alley. He is savvy enough to make this into a straight standalone. But the fans, again, got to capitulate to the fans and go right, man. You know, you you just can't. I'm DC. This is what we do. How how's that been working for you? You know, so it would be nice if they make reference, you know, bring out a little Vandal Savage, show glimpses of him, things of that nature. There's supposed to be a little interaction with them. You know, you, you play that game, you know, since you're going back, you're dealing with the 1940s and whatnot. You play a little bit of that game. You know, you can, you know, Vandal Savage has been around for a long time, so it'd be easy to insert him in. 
And that's uh, also with, I think when they dealt with the Justice League, there might have been an episode there with that, with Mandel Savage also. But anyway, I think they should interact with that. They should play around with that. Because you never know what the long term what this stuff is going to do. You always want to make another movie. And you could always, if he nails the movie, you could bring these other properties in. It just makes business sense. But at the other side of that, he is savvy enough to make it a standalone movie. You can go either way. But if it's me, you know, I'm calling the shots. I would say let's follow the fans. The fans is going to want to see some interaction because that's what's working for everybody right now. Let's not try to fight. Let's not try to be big-headed. That's just me, Afro-Nerd. Yeah, you know, um, the the episode I was referencing is called The Savage Time, The Savage Time, and you're right. Van, well, Sa- you know, Randall Savage. It was entitled Savage Time. It was a Justice League episode, and that's where you saw the, the Blackhawk Black Hawk pilots interacting. So uh, I don't know how they would do do it for the purposes of a crossover because it's World War II unless they, you know, the smart money would be to make some references, direct yes, or indirect, exactly. to Golden Age superheroes. Like, okay, that in this world, you have superheroes. They're just not the ones that you're familiar with. That would be, I mean, because say the truth, the more I think about it, uh, we know that the Watchmen tape that tapped into this, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Watchmen that when, when you first saw the Watchmen, um, and I, we, we I talked about the Watchmen last episode, that it was certainly referencing like heroes of a bygone era. Why not have? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely about these ace pilots, but it's in World War II. Let's let's have heroes around interacting with Blackhawks the way the way that in Marvel. You have, uh, you know, the all-winner squad or, you know, the invaders, I think is probably the more up-to-date name. But that's something I would even like to see Marvel explore. Now, when they, they had uh, Agent Carter in that kind of, you know, when she was had her own series. I think even talking about uh, Agent Carter, by the way, the actress loved yeah. it. The actress still uh, – Bring it back. Uh, Haley Please Atwell. Bring it back. <laughs> oh, man, bring that show back. I like that show. I think there's, I think they're kind of hinting at that, or you know, it's still, it's still kind of in the in the area right now. It's kind of still still kind of floating around somehow. I gotta look it up again, but I remember, I do remember seeing something like last week where they were, she was talking about it again. She, you know, she she really, you know, the clothes, the fashion. I mean, I can see how an actress would be able, you know, because it was it was, you know, snappy dialogue. It was. A, again, again, a bygone era. Um, my parents loved it. My parents loved that because it was, you know, it, it, it had 1940s music. Um, you know, it's something that anybody could, anybody could get into that. But uh, you know, it's ABC. I think they would be able to get the money up, but it would fit on Netflix. Well, Netflix has oh, the yeah. money, but will they will they explore? Um, and then again, and also maybe it might even thrive on Netflix. Oh yeah, the way you know, it, might, it just might. People people could look at that at their leisure and kind of get into that. But I'm I'm, I'm going to go into it a little bit more. But I, I do know that the actress is always every once in a while speaking about it, and she was hinting that Marvel kind of sort of hasn't necessarily you know like completely given up on that. Uh, 
the Inhumans, yeah, that's done. <laughs> oh, you know, I will. You know, listen, they need to pretend like that, like it was never done, like it was never happened, and then explore it as a real thing. You know, but for now, it's what cooked. happened with that, man? What happened with that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, well, what happened was, what happened was, um. You know, listen. They, they was talking about doing an actual movie, and then, you know, they I, I don't. And then at some point they said, "Well, now we're going to go the TV route." But the movie, the movie was always in the plan. So you know, I don't. I think those guys thought they could just get away with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, listen. The the lesser CGI fused films. You know, like the way that Netflix operates, you don't need a Punisher to have a an inhuman right. budget. You know what I mean? That's Even right. Jessica Jones, like all that stuff works out fine. Okay, but the other stuff that's kind of out there, like if you do, they talk about this Eternals thing we spoke about, Eternals has to be done on a fantastic level. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be. So you, you can't, you know, I would like to see the inhuman. I, I, and actually, you know, if they're going to go into this cosmic thing, if they're going to go into you know this this Disney merger deal and all this kind of stuff, uh, if this all if if all this stuff is going to go down, it would be very hard for me to believe that they're not going to be able to revisit the Inhumans. But it it, ha- it would have to be done on a serious level. None of that ABC bad weave, you know, the, uh, uh, Medusa Medusa has a has has a baldy. Come on now. Really? Come on. <laughs> Knock it off. Well, Captain, we got about three minutes remaining, so I think we might as well just close shop. Um, okay. We might as well go to a groove and we'll, we'll do, it, do it again on Sunday. Um, the following Sunday, we're scheduled to see Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I'm glad that I really don't know what to expect from this film. I saw more... I saw more stuff with Black Panther, which still didn't ruin yep. the film for me, thankfully. But I really, I mean, have, do you know anything? I mean, have you really seen a lot? No, I haven't just seen the, anything on this. Black Panther, I saw I saw a lot of stuff. I didn't see anything, anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be, like, far more, I'm not going to be into it anyway, but it's going to be more comfortable where, like, when Spider-Man was coming out, and that was a Sony situation. You know, they just kept on showing all kinds of stuff. It's like, oh, you know, they, you, you're seeing at one point, you know, the nerds were able to web together <laughs> all these trailers where it was almost 15 minutes. I'm like, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I look at this thing, I'm gonna be, I don't want to see it. So at least with Avengers: Infinity War, I don't really know much of anything. So I can walk in there really enjoying. I don't, I, you know, no flat jokes. You know, for the most part, I, I you know I don't have to. The jokes that are funny when you see it as a trailer, but I, I would prefer to see in the theater. I, I think I think we're going to have, unless it's absolutely bad. I think I think we're going to be in for a good ride. So next week we're going to be up, and we're, of course we'll talk about it. All right, folks, listen, we enjoy doing this stuff. We'll be back again on Sunday, as I said, and then of course the following week, it's Avengers time. You know, Avengers assemble, as they say. So this is wait off, wait. Off, K. Tronada, Sunday, 6 p.m. It's been real.